Okay, hello. Um, so welcome back to the Antidote to Mediocrity. Um, now on episode 25, which is pretty awesome, really. I'm quite pleased to have kind of made it here. The first podcast kind of made it to about 12, I think, something like that. And then I had a little flurry of podcasts that made it another three. Um, and then picked it back up again at 16. It's nice to have kind of made it along to 25 at last. Um, so today I'm actually recording in the daytime, which feels a bit weird. I've kept my curtains closed because I thought that the daylight might kind of freak me out a wee bit. Um, but I'm doing it during the daytime because I've got a lovely fella uh, that I've recently got to know uh, called Nick Bellinger on. Uh, morning, Nick. How you doing? Hello, mate. How you doing? Yeah, I'm very, very good. Very good indeed. Yeah, this feels a bit strange doing it during the daytime. I, okay. I don't know whether or not I'm going to be more or less professional. I'm going to guess that I'm probably not going to be more professional than what I normally would do. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure yet. We'll see. We'll see where it well, goes. Say, I'm very much a morning person. So this is kind of peak kind of time of energy. I was broken by working at a newspaper shop when I was in my formative teenage years. Mm. And I've never got out of that kind of sleep pattern. As I have. Oh. <laughs> I imagine that kids force you back that way. See, we're, we're really, really lucky on that front. We've got quite a uh, quite a late house um to like on sunday i think it was uh the kids didn't wake up until half eight it was brilliant wow it, it was absolutely brilliant fair enough we probably kept them awake a little bit too late the night before but eh, you know it's oh, saturday cool. um, no, you yeah, your own it would be christmas if, if you were to um uh you know suddenly start waking them up at 6 a.m when you're not 6 a.m house no yeah there are there are parents uh that we kind of did nct with and stuff like that and they'd be like yeah the kids have been up since half four i'm like that's no time just put them back to bed it's still dark outside but they're like no they won't go to sleep and i'm like try for an hour and then get back in bed like you know these felicity's nearly one so she's one in a few more weeks time um and she uh she regularly will be up for an hour and i'll be like pacing up and down in the bedroom with her on my shoulder <laughs> like just go to sleep then you put her down like you know give her about 20 minutes worth of like you know shaking and jiggling and trying to get to sleep she'll be like limp as anything my my test is always her her hand kind of grabs onto my arm here and if i can move my arm out and it just kind of flops down like to my side then i'm like she's asleep she is yeah. dead asleep and literally, like, you touch the mattress with her. And she just goes, boing, and springs back up. Stands up in a cot and points at me and goes, dab, 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 dab. <laughs> like, how, how are you doing this? And most point, why? Why are you doing this to me? So it, it averages about an hour and three put-downs before she just stays. And I'm like, I'm sneaking out the quietest that I can sneak out. Yeah. Super duper quiet. Trying to keep myself awake whilst doing all of this as well. You know, four to five o'clock in the morning, something like that. It feels like just like a million years ago. Um, I, my kids are five and eight, and my mm. daughter um, was a relatively good sleeper. So really, it, it was we're kind of you know seven years ago, and that might as well be like thirty years ago. Because mm. you, you just forget because then you you kind of have other things to be annoyed with, um, yeah. you know, as they get older. And um, yeah, that I just remember kind of thinking every time I every night you kind of cracked a new little trick that you thought would always work and it only yeah. ever works once yeah 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 definitely yeah it's funny isn't it it will work a few times and then there's, there's been a few things that i've like picked up on that then i'll be like oh anna give this a go and then anna tries it does it wrong and then it seems to stop it from working then or vice versa 
she'd be like, I find I'm going to do this, then blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, I'm going to do that then. I'll try that then. Yeah, it just breaks it. And it's like Felicity goes, mm, I, I can see your trick coming a mile away now. No chance. No chance. Absolutely. So, Nick, you you work for um, a pharmaceutical company. Um, and the, the reason why we kind of happened upon each other, I guess, really, uh, one of our ex-colleagues, a lovely lady called Lisa, um, who used to look after um, health and safety and a few other things where I used to work when I look, looked after learn development, now does the same at your place of work. And I believe that she's got involvement in the mental health first aid side Absolutely. of things as well. Cool. Yeah. And are you a mental health first aider as well? I certainly am. That's how I met Lisa. So so Lisa is our kind of health and safety executive or something. She's got a much better uh, kind of title than I can think right now but she ran the training for my mental health first aid course and uh, and that's kind of how I became aware of her Mm -hmm. Uh, and then um, being quite candid I was put in charge of a project that I thought she should have run okay and uh, and I felt really uncomfortable about it It, this was called a a prevention project that I'm on which is all about kind of making sure that Sanofi probably shouldn't talk about them but I have now so now I have it's out the back. Yeah. Um, so, so I want a project called Prevention with Sanofi. And what that's about is making sure that the offering that we have for our people internally is kind of it's good and that we can kind of get recognition for doing the right things with our staff. Yeah. And so I was really uncomfortable about being given that project. So I spent a year of that project trying to get Lisa in that project and given all the credit. And yeah. after a year, here we are. Uh, we're kind of in de- December. Will be tomorrow for uh, mm-hmm. for people listening to this in quite real time. And yes, now Lisa and I are um, working together on this project. Brilliant. And, That's um, awesome. She's man. a bit of a legend. Yeah, yeah. She's really, really good. Really, really good. Always kind of uh, seems to do the right thing, so to speak. Um, kind of has has that. Heart. It's, it's quite interesting, actually. We so there was a, a fella called Mike that we used to both work with. Um, and Mike was the first person that I ever met within health and safety that managed to make health and safety a good feeling within the company, if that makes sense. He's, he's got a, a very, he used to do this. So he used to do the health and safety induction, I guess, really at our induction events. And usually, you know, it's like, right, we're going to roll out the health and safety person in now and clipboard Keith comes up and you're like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> Mike was just brilliant. He was this ball of energy. And he 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 was really, really good in speaking about health and safety as, as an enabler rather than a disabler. Because we, we have this classic thing, don't we, where you know you can't play conkers, you can't have a snowball fight, you can't, 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 can't. Then he goes, This it's a load of rubbish. And then he generally puts up this picture of Felix Baumgartner, the guy that did the uh, drop out of the balloon and did the you know the world's highest skydive thing. Um, he said health and safety enabled Felix Baumgartner to do that and not die. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's pretty that's sound, really, isn't it? It pretty sound. Yeah. so this project that you've been doing then um mm-hmm. has led you to is, is this part of where your your internal podcast comes from yeah absolutely so is, yeah, is, so, so it all came from there hmm. um so it kind of went off in a few directions that i guess is kind of a, a kind of overlaps into your world which is hmm. i guess one of them is is podcasting yeah so three people who are involved lucy with a project or mental health first aid um decided to get together to, to make a podcast called well it's really we're still trying to get the name right which has yeah. kind of become a bit of the show which is the fact that it's it's i came up with a pun which was men space towel health chat right the idea being that it was men talking about mental health 
doesn't no. scan well, but I've stuck to it stoically. And so now at the <laughs> beginning of every episode, I kind of fall over the name of the podcast, mm-hmm. which is quite sweet, actually. It makes me laugh anyway. And um <laughs> And so, uh, and so, yeah, that's where the podcast came from, and it's kind of evolved over time. Yeah. And you know, as you know, as you kindly came on uh, last week to, to do an episode, it's it's, mm. it's relatively formulaic. It wasn't to begin with. To begin with, it was just a guy called Stuart Carroll, who uh, that name might ring a bell to some of your local listeners because he's the uh, councillor for Maidenhead, a bit of it, um, yeah. and he he's like on the kind of council board for mental health and stuff like that and um but he also worked worked with us and um so yeah we just kind of got talking about um how we stay healthfully mentally Mm -hmm. and um and then we started getting guests people started to want to be involved and that's when that three kind of three stage kind of uh plot points kind of thing comes up which you kindly mentioned on your last show with with jay Mm. um which and, and it's kind of been a real real good kind of starting point to get people talking about this sort of stuff yeah yeah definitely yeah it's it's interesting isn't it i i think that there's there's plenty of these podcasts out there and i think the 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 more and more that people are speaking about this kind of stuff the easier it becomes to speak about it to go oh yeah me too yeah me too so i i'd, I'd, I'd kind of wondered ahead of doing this thought i won't ask until we're on the podcast um whether or not it was part of a project or whether or not it was part of your own kind of leanings towards wanting to do more about mental health from your own perspective or from others perspective like what's what's your side of all of that oh sure yeah no worries so this is kind of it kind of happened because of the project but now it's not related to it now it stands alone it's well weird it's become mine it was three guys doing this and then they one of them's already gone off to do fancy secret things with the government the other mm-hmm. one's going off to do something with some fancy devices in hospitals and I'm the only one left kind of holding mm-hmm. the baby and um, which works for me um, mm-hmm. I, I did try my hand at podcasting uh, seven actually eight years ago oh, I tried wow. to do a podcast about parenting before I was a parent right? the oh, idea yeah. that I would do a podcast with my uncle who already had kind of you know 18 year old kids to learn enough before I had a kid Mm-hmm. And it was actually a really good podcast, but it just kind of, it was, you know, a bit rough around the edges and we never really tried to kind of publicise it or anything. Yeah. And so when I got the chance to do it again, it was um, it was really exciting to get the chance to, to do it again. And the uh, the subject matter is, yeah, very close to my heart because oh. um, I, I guess I've had a, a light foray into kind of mental health myself with, you know, therapy and stuff like that. Nothing mm-hmm. too dramatic. It felt dramatic at the time, but, but since... Yeah then I've realized that probably everyone was feeling nearly everything I was feeling all the time. It yeah. was just that it was the nineties and n- no one really spoke about it yet. Hmm. And so that's my big driver is that a lot of things that I tried to get medication for back, you know, in 98 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and since are things that everyone thinks about. And I, just, and I can't believe that therapists were taking my money like, every single week when they were probably thinking the same things as I was. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really difficult, though, that kind of stuff, isn't it? Because I guess it's uh, – it's, so I've often kind of said to various people, what might be a pebble in the ocean for you is a rock in the pond for someone else. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it, it really is about what kind of resilience you've got, all, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then I'm sure – God, did I speak about this? Yeah, I spoke about this on your podcast, didn't I? About that whole grit scale thing. Mm. Um, this is 
quite clever lady, I guess. Uh, Angela Lee Duckworth wrote the book Grit, um, and within there, there's a there's a test that you can take to test your your grit scale. And ultimately, it kind of asks how how you react to certain things and what what you think of certain things. You know, it's all it's it's as good as any personality profile self evaluating questionnaire kind of thing. Um, but ultimately, it comes out with this grit score. And it's between between zero and five. This grit score. And if you've got a high grit score, very generally speak, when I'm doing this, I'm doing this at the start of quite a long course that that we that I've run. Uh, it's an ILM. We do it at the beginning of ILM level three, four, and five. Um, and it's, a, it's starting to talk about resilience and about the long path ahead of someone when they get onto these diploma courses. Because these diploma courses last 18 to 24 months. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's quite a lot to put yourself into. So we talk about resilience at, at the beginning. Generally speaking, you do it to a room full of people. Most of the time, it's been a room full of people that are in engineering, manufacturing, stuff like that within that, that kind of world for that particular test. And you get these really kind of prideful moments where there's a couple of people, maybe from marketing or something, that have got 2.2s. And then you get a couple of people that are from like the, the shop floor or the hard engineers, and they sit there with their arms folded going, oh, well, yeah, 4.8, me, 4.8, nice one. Um, you know, and I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of a falsehood, so I, I quite like to burst the bubble quite quickly with it. I'm kind of saying, look, so the people that are 2.2, 2.3, 2.6, um, you guys are you know, you're, you're measurably less resilient. But what that means is that you'll you'll probably stumble and fumble a bit more and you'll probably seek assistance and kind of put, put your hand out a bit more for assistance, which is great because at that point, you've not gone very far. So we can just pick you up, reset you, dust you back off and get, get you going again. Versus the guys that are up at like 4.6, 4.8, 4.9, think that they need to be tough and need to be resilient and need to deal with it all. Very generally speaking, they're the ones that fall from the greatest heights. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we that they, they go through the same problems. They just go through it from that greater height and hit with a greater thud. And very generally speaking, they're the ones that are starting to talk about quitting courses and starting to talk about I can't do this, can't fit this in, blah blah blah. So, well, if you just put your hand up and said I'm I'm not I'm not coping, I'm not dealing with this earlier on, you mm. probably would have been a bit better off. So when when it comes to that kind of stuff, I guess it'd be interesting. Actually, I'll I'll send you a copy of it. Um, Oh, I've not got a pen and paper. I cleaned my desk the other day and I've got like the most sparse looking desk in the world. <laughs> but yes, it, it makes it tricky for a noting moments like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll send you it because it's interesting just to do it. It's, I find it, I find it quite a handy kind of reckoning point to go, okay, so you, you can predict if, if you're lower down the grit scale, you can predict that you might stumble and fumble a bit more, but it's hmm. easy to get back up. Versus you can predict that if you're way up there, you probably need to take time every now and then just to go, do I need to stop and ask for help? Mm. Do I need to stop and vocalize and verbalize this? Or am I going to be my usual stubborn ass of a self and just go, nope, I'm fine. I'm going to get on with this and carry on boring along, which is what I went through mental health wise. So for years and years and years, I would say that I was extremely resilient. Um, I remember when, we, we, we've all had this chat at some point, but when I'd, I'd met my wife um, before she became my wife, um, you know, and you have that 4 a.m. kind of chat where, you know, you're spending some time with each other and da, 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 and it's four o'clock in the morning, you're still not sleeping, you're just chatting about everything, you, you kind of, you, your life story comes out. And I remember telling her a load of stuff and she's like, Jesus Christ, my life's been really, really nice and easy in comparison to yours. <laughs> and I was like, hey, it's just life, isn't it? You know, that's just what happens, yeah. surely, surely all these things happen to everyone. 
She's like, no, not at all. Oh, I've always been all right with it. And then it's, I can't quite put my finger on it, whether or not it's as testosterone has dropped away or as I've got kids and I viewed what I want to create in their childhood very differently from what went on in my childhood mm. uh, that I've kind of gone, that was all a bit shit, wasn't it? And then I've kind of questioned what my parents did, what my parents didn't do, um, what value that leads to within myself or for myself or of myself or blah, 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 all these different things. Um, and it's, it's been quite interesting kind of starting to piece all, all that together. I don't know that that's made me less resilient because I still seem to be able to in the moment and at the time cope. Mm-hmm. But now I think I'm a bit better at then reflecting on it a bit more effectively rather than just going, just stifle it down, just push it down. No, not feelings. So, so are you different now? Do you, do you think you're more more open now than, than yeah. you were? When you yeah, were... definitely. Yeah, yeah, more more emotional um most definitely more more emotional um more recognizing of what's going on uh, within myself more kind of you know more not happy to feel but more willing to kind of feel what's going on in myself how i'm reacting to things how i'm feeling about things um you know there's been some turbulence this weekend with the uh, old parentals which is great fun um and rather than stifling it down i've said something it's not gone down very well yet. Um, cool. It's still in the mix. <laughs> um, but rather than being like, no, no, I'm just going to, you know, forget how I feel about it and swallow that one down. I've been like, no, I'm pissed off about this. Yeah. You know, yes, I've got a bit sweary and a bit fuck you about things. Mm-hmm. But so what? It's, it's, it's better than doing what I did when I was a child, which was go, okay, yeah, every, everything's fine. Totally fine. Yeah, totally. I'll just go totally. and hide how I feel about it. Was there some kind of people pleasing in you when you were younger? Very, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, very. Yeah. I, I can't quite work it out actually whether or not it's people pleasing or just get on with it. Okay. And it's it's, it's kind of a, a balance between those two things. So I'm I'm currently listening to another book, um, Not Nice. So I think Ollie's mentioned it on a previous podcast. It's it's really good. Um, but within there, so I'm going to give you another scale to think about here. Um, this guy Aziz Gazipura has developed um, a is it's it's quite quite simple and I I like it but I don't think it's that it's that wonderful. Um, he's developed this niceness assessment thing and you get a score out of ten in this case. Um, and it's from nice would be a one and it's called not nice would be a ten. And not nice at first sounds really bad. It sounds like it's going to be an absolute shitbag. Um, but it's it's not about that. It's about thinking a little bit more selfishly in life and saying no to things rather than just going, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do that out of this weird obliging side that people seem to have. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say that like I, I scored a six point something. And when I asked Ollie, I think he was a, a three point nine and his wife was a, a two point something. And my wife was a, a two point something. Um it, it, it was quite interesting just to look at how how much being obliging is actually a damaging thing to you and to others. Because um, you end up going along to things that you don't really want to go along to and go along with things that you don't really want to go along with and mm. spending hours, days, weeks, months of your life doing things that aren't adding anything for you. And yeah, you do get the, the feeling of you know being the nice guy that did the nice thing, but really, what, what, what does it really kind of do for you? And it's funny, actually... I've been over the years rolling out a bit on time management. So, you know, kind of 
In fact, I've sent I've sent you the video of it. Me and Machino is doing time management, and towards the end of that, you get um, say yes to the person and no to the task, and it leans. It, it turns out that it leans on some of the tenants that this uh, as he's Gazipuro puts out, and he says that you know as a result of it, you get to be a more authentic version of yourself. You know, you, you get to be just more kind of you about what you're doing, which is, I I think that's a good thing to be. I think that's a, a bit easier to be you than to be someone else. So you will, yeah, there's a lot about it at the moment, isn't it? It's written in different ways about being more authentic and, mm-hmm. and such. And I, and I kind of feel like, I, I just, I don't think you're allowed to be authentic in your 20s. I know that sounds crazy, but I feel like when you're in your 20s, you're so... I think everyone who was around me at the time was all desperate to kind of be this kind of one big hybrid of each other. Yeah, yeah. And like people who kind of went on the outside edges of, of any kind of scale, you know, to, to use your pardon, mm. and they, got, they always kind of got pushed out of the way until they adapted their behaviour to be more like kind of everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And I think I've spent most of my 30s trying to recover from spend, spending like maybe 14 years, kind of my late teens and 20s, trying desperately to be kind of a certain person within a group of people yeah it just didn't work it just you know wasn't authentic but there wasn't there wasn't the vocabulary you know something I say often when I'm talking to people maybe who are older than me about mental health is that that they felt these things but they just didn't have the words and I think I was probably in a maybe in a similar place and older people did try to tell me so for example so when I was at my worst in terms of like maybe like social anxiety and stuff like that mm-hmm. um a, a therapist said something genius but i just wouldn't accept at the time which was um perhaps the reason you don't want to go out so much is that not not that you have a mental health disorder it's that you might not like what the people that you're going to see are doing mm-hmm. but i just couldn't accept it i was like yeah well no i'm, I'm 21 i'm you know i'm a a bloke from sussex we go to yeah. the pub we, we drink from, you know, lunchtime until midnight. Yeah. Um, we tolerate that alcohol very well. And then we go back to someone's house and sing Robbie Williams. This is what is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot about that paragraph that I've learned wasn't really for me, including yeah. Robbie Williams. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. Indeed. Um, <laughs> bless all my friends that, you know, they're all magnificent and I'm still friends with all of them now, but mm. that I've been able to, kind of adapt my own personality which mm-hmm. isn't like that of many of my friends but yeah. they've become more accepting over time yeah. rather than you know me being some alien in the gang for example I've allowed myself to give up alcohol which for me okay. is huge for so many reasons without this turning into therapy mm-hmm. so that's massive not because I wasn't uh, like I was an alcoholic or anything but I come uh, my late father was an alcoholic okay and so I never had a great relationship with the stuff, hmm. but I trained myself to drink quite a lot, as I mentioned in my earlier stories, hmm. because that's just what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I had this out um, 500 days ago, believe it or not, mm-hmm. um, to stop drinking, and um, I took it, and and that's when I realised that I wasn't giving up drinking. I just shouldn't have ever started in the first place. What was the out? I'm curious. That's a great story, and I recommend it to anyone who wants to, you know, take control of their drinking. It's mm-hmm. um, it's try to beat someone else at giving up drinking. Okay. <laughs> no, no, yeah, yeah, I like that. 
so, so I got I got this text from uh, for a member of my family. I won't say anything in case your podcast one day has a bajillion listeners and they they hear it and uh, and they come after me. There's our Nick. <laughs> yeah, hang on, that, that's Nick. He's the only one who talks that fast and that much about mental health. Um, so what happened was I got this message from a family member saying me and my husband are not good at drinking, and we found this app called Dry Days. And which I always thought sounded like the sort of thing you'd have for a kid and whether or not they would dry through the night. Yeah, but, yeah. but, you know, someone in a marketing farm thought it was a good idea to call it Dry Days. Anyway, so Dry Days is, is a, a drinking tracking app. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, it's, it's very, very basic. It's probably not been updated in, you know, eight years or something. It feels a bit kind of, you know, Apple mm-hmm. kind of uh, iOS 6 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. But you, what you do is every morning at nine o'clock, you get a uh, notification that pops up saying, were you dry yesterday? Which I snigger still after mm-hmm. five days. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I have to kind of check my pants. Um, but uh, no, what it's referring to is how much alcohol did you have in the previous 24 hours? Yeah. And so it's basically a big calendar app where you kind of say, you know, dry, 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 you know, oh, I had a half a shandy here and, you know, write that in and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they sent me this, this, app and said right we're going to track our drinking on this you don't have to do it but the good thing is is we can be friends on this app and you can hold me accountable mm-hmm. and I, was like, I like that holding people accountable is one of my favorite hobbies because yeah. it's just something that for some reason people always seem to give me that task so mm-hmm. i was very happy to do so so for fun i started tracking my own alcohol mm-hmm. over in uh, 2019 in march um and um I realized that at the end of every month, it told you how many dry days you had mm-hmm. and they ranked people on a leaderboard and that was uh, it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Now I will so... I have to win. And then once I started winning a few months in a row, it became who has the longest non-drinking streak. Mm-hmm. And so then I had to keep doing it. I added an extra competition along the way. Like every time I ordered a, you know, a Heineken zero in a pub, everyone mm-hmm. wanted the story particularly because people who know me know that i not didn't drink a lot but i was i i liked drinking yeah yeah you know i knew what i liked you know and that sort of stuff and a lot of people knew my dad and and kind of what he was like and so as soon as i said oh, i'll take a heineken zero like it felt like the whole pub kind of went yeah sorry, for visual um, yeah. <laughs> for, for audio listeners and um, everyone kind of turned around and went what yeah what? But he's Steve Bellinger's son. He must be an alcoholic too. Yeah. And so that's when I've told a lot of people about this app. And then they join in and become my friends on there as well. And then they join this journey of kind of uh, trying to beat people uh, at drinking, which is quite fun. I really like that, man. What what difference have you felt? What difference have you noticed with it? This is where I'm hoping that people who are listening to this need a good reason to give up drinking. Don't listen. Uh Because it hasn't changed my life very much at all. Okay. Yeah. Um, so my metrics for it are that I don't spend less money because mm-hmm. I buy so much like alcohol free things mm-hmm. because I don't want to be, you know, I don't just want to drink fizzy water for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it didn't have money. Um, I, I'm a runner sort of. Um, and so I, uh, it hasn't made me faster at running. So okay. That sucks. Um, has it made mental health a bit better? Uh, maybe. Um, but only in that on a Sunday morning with a hangover, I'm not having like panic that can last until Tuesday. Mm. <laughs> so, so, you know, that helps. Fear kicking him. that's it. Absolutely. So it hasn't kind of been a massive 
changing my life and everyone I say that to says that's because I wasn't good enough at drinking to feel the benefit of giving up drinking yeah yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. definitely so I, I gave it up for a good few months um when did that happen I think that might have been this year I think um because I was just finding that if, if I drank the next day I just felt bluesy yeah. Like, you know, I've I've got my own mental health worries to worry about in the first place. And then adding that depressant on top of it, I just sure. felt like, just felt a bit crap about things, could just be a bit kind of listless. Mm. Um, and if something happened as well during that time, then it could really kind of, you know, it could compound that problem for me. Mm. Um, and then I've added a bit in back in because I, I, don't, I don't hate drinking. I don't hate the feeling of being drunk. I don't hate anything about it, really. Um, but... I was just like, this is making me sad. So let's let's stop that for a while and until I've kind of righted a few other things. Mm-hmm. And I've added, I've added it back in now. Modern Bloke Social Club has led to me drinking a, a little bit more, I guess, really, like every fortnight or so. Um, this week, that went horribly wrong because I'm also doing this 800-calorie-a-day diet thing. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And so I went 800 calories on that day and then drank straight vodka because I was like, well, that's the lowest calorie thing that I can do. So it was ice and vodka and three and a bit hours worth of modern bloke and then stood up from a seat and I was like, oh, I'm really quite drunk now, it turned out. I bet. And then the next, like, I was sick that night. The next day I was sick as a dog. Uh, it was just it was just like, this wasn't yeah. worth it. No, um, and it's I... funny, I'm, I'm kind of finding, depending on, on what I drink, changes the way that I feel the, the next day as well. Okay. Um, so with that, you know, I'm, I'm no vodka connoisseur, so I just went, I'll just buy a bottle of Smirnoff thinking mm. you know, it's vodka. It's what, what, what I used to drink when I was younger. Um, didn't feel the best about myself the next day. Okay. Whereas in, if I choose a nice quality, um, like, you know, brew dog or what's it called piston head beers or something like that yep. they seem to have less crap in them and i've kind of noticed if i can have six of those mm-hmm. and be all right the next day like wake up feeling relatively fresh there's not as much mm-hmm. chemicals and crap in there yeah. if i hark back to my youth and get Stella or carlin or something like that yeah, yeah. Well, the next day i'm like everything is terrible yeah it needs to end <laughs> but yeah. but i can i can heartily recommend decent vodka and that was my drink well towards the end of my drinking career I became very fond of skinny bitches. Are you familiar with a skinny bitch? A skinny I've, bitch. I've, I've Googled it a few times, but other than that. No. <laughs> so John, um, Stephen Fry was on um, Chappy Man maybe four or five years ago. And you yeah. know how they have, uh, he opens the globe at the beginning of the interview. And yeah. That's a drink. And, um, and there's always weird shit in this, um, in this globe. So Stephen yeah. Fry says, well, I'm rather partial to a skinny bitch. And, you know, lots of laughter. And, uh, and, I, and I was like, what's that? And, and, uh, <laughs> That's a very good, and, Alan. And Stephen, and Stephen Fry goes, well, it's a skinny bitch. It's vodka with water. And it's because skinny bitches don't want any calories in their alcohol. So they order a skinny like bitch. That. And mm-hmm. so I, for a few years there, I went around kind of mid, mid-quality hotels, kind of saying if anyone in any bar would ever know what a skinny bitch was. Nice. And, uh, Suffice to say, I've only found one place somewhere in London that understood um, what I was asking for. And generally, it just means that people get to laugh. Yeah. So, uh, yes, it's, it's a good one. So you, perhaps adding a little water to your uh, vodka. Well, I added good. ice. Does okay. that count? Well, sort of. That's a very manly way of kind of diluting vodka. It's like yeah. saying, 
I'm not dilating it to start with, but if 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 God wants to melt it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Given time, it might be diluted, but meanwhile, it's straight. Yeah, meanwhile, yeah. yeah, I'm left. Cool. You know, I'm, left. <laughs> I'm not having no fruit by fruit for the lady. What's going on? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I can't have things like like the the mixes that you'd normally have because they've got oh. loads of sugar in them. Quite. Um, yeah. And I'm yeah. I'm quite anti sugar really. Okay. Quite, quite anti-sugar. I notice. I don't know that you ever get this, but if so, whilst I'm being good, I've got a relatively slim face. I can look handsome on some days, um, and then as soon as I, I even look in the direction of sugar, my face just goes. Poof. It's oh, like really? a little puffer okay. fish type um type thing. But I I've done keto for quite a long time before being on this daft diet with my wife, mm-hmm. um, and so I think that keto reduces inflammation across the board anyway so like you know aches and pains and stuff which i've got plenty of mm. um kind of seem to disappear when you do keto it's brilliant um but then i th- i think maybe you become a bit hypersensitive to refined sugars then you know, so as soon as you eat any then your body goes kind of, yeah. it's like it's on warning again and if so last year when felicity arrived i just went I've not got time to be careful about what I eat. So I'm just going to get fuel into my face as quickly yeah. as possible. Um, so just that crap again. And then within, I'd say a week of just, just, you know, not, not eat, not being like, oh, I'm going to eat M&Ms all day, every day, but just yeah. eating just anything that, that kind of came along at the right meal time. It hurt getting back up again. Mm. And I'd wake up in the morning. Like I, I get um plan. You, you might have had this as, as a runner. I get plantar fasciitis. Oh, yeah, yeah. like the uh the arch of your foot feels like it's being hammered and first thing in the morning it's particularly terrible when 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 you it's like your feet have been relaxed all night and kind of it's almost like they're kind of relaxed and set a little bit kind of clawed almost and you stand up and you're like jesus christ kind of hobbling through to try and get parker up and stuff mm. um that was really really bad so yeah when when i don't eat crap that disappears it, it all together goes like i don't need to do anything daft like i've got a tennis ball and a spiky dog ball on right. my desk here. Uh, where's my spiky dog ball? I still use it because it makes me happy. But this <laughs> solid little blue spiky thing that's like, I think it's made for dogs that destroy other balls. <clears throat> it was like an indestructible chew toy thing. Um, so I usually roll my feet around on that when it's bad. I've not had to use that now for bloody ages again. Um, so that's always good. Yeah, that's always good. So um, what... So I, I, I don't know whether or not you got to this point in last week's podcast, but I signed up to some daft 24 kilometers through the Brecon yeah, Beacons run. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Well, well terrifying, but fantastic. Yeah, horrific. Absolutely horrific, especially being as I live in Reading. It's not really the most hilly area to uh, to train for such a thing, really. I've, I've kind of I've, I've started to look on one of my OS maps to spot some nice hilly bits that I can kind of go up and down that are a bit traily. Um, so I think that me and Joe, the guy that I'm doing it with, they're gonna head out on some of those sometime soon. What what uh what level? Because you you're a self proclaimed runner. What I know level that, of running? That, that makes it yeah. sound like I'm you know competition level. I, I call myself a runner because I do an F load of running, um, yep. but it doesn't mean that I'm good. I, I run five times a week, uh, Monday wow. Monday to Friday, seven a.m. until seven forty ish. Okay. And um, I run between five and ten k in those sessions. That's really impressive, man. That's really, so, really good. Well, if you don't drink, what else are you going to do with your life? Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I adore running. And um, and it all came about, uh, everything's got a story with me on my fro distance. Mm. 
Sorry. It comes with being in sales. You always have, a, have to have a story for any given moment. <laughs> Actually, funnily enough, a slight tangent, um, Friday was my last day as a salesman um, after 20 years in sales. Um, you should have done a death of the salesman, an outfit for it and everything. Absolutely. Funny <laughs> enough, that is what I titled my journal, because I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I titled my journal Death of a Salesman. So that's, a, that's very good that, that you use that, uh, that reference to. I like that. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, so I, uh, where was I, what was I talking about? I was talking about running. Oh, yes. So, so yeah. in 2008, um, my wife was a runner with her sister and they used to do like 5Ks and stuff and, you know, little kind of runs with local running clubs. And, um, and I was going through a kind of, I've given up football phase. I don't know really what exercise to do. Mm-hmm. And we were getting married in 2010. And so I decided that I'd start running with my wife because mm-hmm. um, I didn't want to be this kind of chunky crew. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then have this kind of you know skinny bitch and I see <laughs> but I'm not brave enough to say about my wife because she's a legend uh, but it, it was a callback of it if you ever listened mm-hmm. um and so I started running with her and very quickly I became quite proficient at it mm-hmm. so much so that she got very angry with me and said she'd never run with me again which is yep. we made it all the way up to our wedding day before she declared that we weren't going to run together again <laughs> um, and then I've tried to run at least since 2010 I've run pretty much three times a week every week for 10 that's years, really good man that's which really is, good which is cool and, and I'm and I'm just so lucky that it's a habit I'm yeah, yeah. I said this to my wife this morning that she goes I don't do anything you do stuff you know it's, it's really frustrating I'm like I wouldn't do stuff if I didn't associate 7am with being a run like, yeah if there yeah. was something else to distract me, I wouldn't do it. It really is. It, it, it comes back to that same thing, doesn't it? Of consistency and a, a bit of accountability, probably in the first place to force that habit. So on mm. on Modern Bloke at the moment, we've been doing um, 100 press ups a day for 30 days. Wow. Um, well, <laughs> the, the actual target is to do 3,000 press ups within 30 days. So you, know, you break it down; it's simply it's, it, it, it's 100 a day. The other day, I was like. I'm going to see what I can do with myself. So I did a, um, I did a workout where I did. So I've got my punch bag and everything out, out outside in, in the garage. Um, so I did five, three minute rounds on the punch bag and before that, and then in between each one, I was doing press ups and doing on previous podcast, Jay had mentioned about doing 21. So I was like, I'll do some 21s. So 21s are halfway up, no halfway down with a barbell, then halfway okay. up with a barbell. And then all the way up with a barbell and you do seven mm-hmm. of each. So you do 21 in total. Okay. And I managed to get 300 press-ups done within that period of time. Wow. I felt like my chest was going to fall off. I like, was going to say, you must have boobs of steel. Boobs of steel. That's <laughs> or, or slightly less moobs of gelatin. <laughs> One of the two. There's, there's a balance point somewhere in there. Um but it's been quite good fun because we've made each other accountable on on the Facebook page on Modern Bloke. So I asked Ollie whether or not he was up for it and then posted up on there saying, me and Ollie have decided last night that within the next 30 days, we're going to do 3,000 press-ups. Who's in for it? And a few guys have gone, yeah, yeah I'm up for that. Um, and it, it's quite funny because part of what we do in Modern Bloke is kind of to challenge some of the masculine traits that we might otherwise and now it's like who can do the most press-ups then <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's quite nice because there's like a, a cohort of about four or five of us now that every day are being like this many done this many to go this many done this many to go so i think i'm now on 900 done 2100 to go um right. which is 
it, it is that that accountability side of it. And now that I've got this run scheduled with Joe, I need to I need to get him to pin a date for it. I just to go, this is when we're doing this Brecken's run, because then I can kind of start to work towards that and become accountable, and we can hold each other accountable with it. But I think that that that's a big part of what does it. And then it's it's funny what your wife said there about having the interest side of it. Yeah, I'm I'm fascinated to ask ask a woman about it. Well, actually, it's funny, isn't it? Because I had Wendy on a few podcasts back and Wendy has interest. She does things. Yes. She just finished doing for, for listeners of the podcast. She just finished doing this lovely big crochet thing. I probably wouldn't have it in my own house. Sorry, Wendy. Um, just cause it wouldn't go with any of our furniture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looks awesome. Like it looks huge and heavy and really satisfying. She does that. And she does a Wendy house and things like that. But very generally speaking, I find that a lot of women don't have interests. They don't. It's, so it's weird, isn't it? Unfair. Yeah, it's, it's, it, I don't know, it's probably someone a lot smarter than me can tell you it's because of, you know, many, many years of not having the time for it with babies, husbands, mm. you know, repression, etc. But it is surreal, right? Yeah. To me, as, as someone who kind of was raised by a feminist thinking that, you know, women are completely equal, that they, that there's just nothing to do. No. <laughs> There's, there's plenty to do i just don't think that their mind switches onto it like this like yeah. most of the things that i do my wife could essentially do like you know so i've i've done kickbox and done jujitsu hope to pick all that stuff up again post pandemic blah blah, blah. um mm. but i still do it out in the garage mm. i've got my chaos pads and stuff down here mm-hmm. i've last night i built a paint spinner mm nice as a new as a new expert in fact i'm going to flash it up on screen for you nick uh my my attempt at art last night um it's not very good but it's my first go there we are that is some spun spun paint for listeners because that's it's not a very good audio experience is it we'll put a link in show notes like a pro yeah it's gray and white and then it's got blue streaks all over it it's quite cool um but I've I've had that sat in my head for a couple of months now to go out and build this little prototype thing with a drill and da da da. So I did that last night. My wife just wouldn't ever think of doing it. Huh. But then it's it's really funny, isn't it? I I'm, I'm I'm not sure whether or not you find this, but I kind of find that sometimes Anna's got a little bit of resentment towards me being like, I'm going to go and play for the next couple. Like the kids are in bed. You're watching. I'm a celebrity. I don't want to because it kills my soul. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what? Right, well, well, we'll come back to that in a moment. I'll finish this sentence, then we'll start a new one. <laughs> now I'm going to go and do something. And it's, it is, it's that selfish me time kind of side of it that I think that blokes do a bit more freely. I kind of, I'm just going to go and do my thing now. I've had this thing burrowing away at my mind. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go and do it now. I'm going to go and have a go of it. You know, and that's ultimately led to, it's led to some quite good things, led to a bit of art that will hopefully over time, I'll finesse what, what I'm doing there and be able to, produce art for the house and possibly beyond um, and you know it's led to modern bloke social club because i mentioned it on a podcast which is a bit more selfish me time side of it um but yeah i just find that women don't do it no absolutely women not. challenges on that yeah well firstly get lots of women on because i don't want to be another white guy talking about women wrongly <laughs> but <laughs> But what I will say is, is that I wonder if it's because, um, you know, so may, even subconsciously, my parents, your parents, you know, all the parents of boys have kind mm. of gone, look, special little boy, go and do your special little things when you're mm. eight, you know, whereas yeah. 
uh, I know from a lot of my female friends when they were eight, they had a list of chores and they were yeah. clearing this up. You're doing that washing up, which is absurd because even you know that was the 80s and like surely that was like a kind of starting to be a like a revival of feminism and shoulder pads and wonderfulness mm. and but still there was still this kind of underlying kind of you know boys go and do magic and yeah do something very sensible and i wonder if that's still sticking around yeah well those those little plastic kitchens were girls toys yep you know and the girls had a tie hoover the yeah. boys had fantasy and dragons and play and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like the, the 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 play was was very very different. But that said, it's quite in, like I remember we took Parker to like a play center place where they had like you know a million toys there. Um, we took him and we took we, we were there with the other NCT lot, mm-hmm. um, and the other NCT lot were predominantly girls. Um, I don't think that Noah, the the other little the, the other one little boy from our NCT group, was there. Cause it was six girls two boys um and as as we went in these all like diggers and cars and stuff over to one side and then these girly toys over the other side like dolls and stuff like that and by this point the only things that parker had were like colorful rattles and just generic baby toys you yeah. you have a baby here's a baby toy and literally like he'd, he'd started crawling by then so we take them all in you know you kind of plonk them down and start to work out where the coffee machine is and stuff like that um Parker went and took a left towards all the digs and toys and the girls went and took a right towards all the girly toys and it was like we've never we've never shown him a digger he he doesn't actually know what one is Mm. and after that point he was obsessed with them for a good long time um but we'd never shown him that before but he just intuitively goes towards that thing and it's like how hardwired and baked in is is that thing where you go yellow diggers wheels good it's so weird blah It's it's really really weird to think about. It's so weird because because I uh, was trying the nurture nature thing with my daughter. I was desperate to make her a tomboy, right? And uh-huh. uh, that's because I had a son. I kind of knew how he worked. I knew yeah. football good. Put ball in front of kid, he will be happy. Mm-hmm. And that works so well for my son. And I'm very lucky. But I tried the same with my daughter. And she kind of got the ball and pretty much like morphed it into a baby. And now there's like a thousand babies in my house and like kitchens and creches and Sylvanian families coming out of our ears. Yeah. And, um, and it's wonderful, you know, it's, it's great to have that mix, you know, and it, it's a, it just shows you how little influence you really have over your yeah. in some way. And, you know, and others, of course, but, but certainly when it comes to play, they know what their needs are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because, I, I genuinely believe that there is there's there is a, a def, I, I can never quite kind of put my finger on or read the right book to find the balance between nature and nurture, mm. but it's there. There is nature stuff there. Sure. We produce testosterone, you know. Women don't do that, or don't do that in as in as vast a quantity as what we do. Sure. We have these different these. Much of us is the same, you know, and it's it, it's interesting when you talk about the equality side of it, isn't it? Yes, women are equal, but they're also different. Yes, sure. men are equal, but they're also different. You know, and there's, there's a spectrum within each of those groupings. You know, I think that's why we've got now 29 different gender pronouns and counting within the UK alone. Um, Canada is winning on that front. I think I'm going to say winning in the loosest way and let people roll their eyes at it when they're <laughs> put something like 48 different gender pronouns, um, which is scary and intimidating. I think to to your average 
person to your average, I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to call them lay person, just your average person. Um, you know, bloody hell. What, what, what do we need to call this person then? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I think yeah. it's, it's led to a whole um, era of, I think it's called identitarianism. Right. Whereby, so there's the old sketch of the only gay in the village. Mm. Um, when the village is the size of Instagram, you're never going to be the only only gay in the village. When the village is the size of TikTok, you're never going to be the, the only. So therefore, in order to be different, in order to stand out, which we all want to kind of fit in and we all want to kind of stand out at the same time, mm-hmm. you need to start to look for further characteristics. And I think mm-hmm. that people go characteristic hunting um, in order to try and be interesting sometimes. I think that that's part of what has led to where we are with all of this stuff at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and people just searching for that for that me you know and i think part of it is great there's there's an exercise that i've done with people before where we go right if you get to let, let's say we go to your office uh, outside of covid times how, how many people are in your office uh i don't know 500 500 people right probably roughly about a 60 40 mix of male to female probably yep so we might have about 300 males there 300 people with a penis should i say within within there if you went out into the car park and you said right masculine at one end of the car park feminine at the other end of the park car park so not male and female masculine and feminine you went right sort yourselves into order (laughs) then you'd get a cluster of people up at one end predictably and then you'd get a spread of them all the way along then you'd get some people that maybe sit right on that very very feminine end you know and if if we needed to we could have a list of typical feminine traits along the way so if you think about those gender pronouns, all that does is it splits that that long line of people up into 29 little sections. You know, and someone's going to be running up and down being gender fluid. <laughs> back and forth. And we, we're going to have that moment. Then if you took all the people without a penis and you did the same thing, there would be a cluster of women up at the feminine end, predictably. And then you'd have some women that made it beyond the masculine scale of the men. You know, they'd, they'd stand with their back firmly against the end going, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. I'm more masculine than you. And all the blokes would go, yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah. You know, and again, it. so I've always kind of thought, you know, if you don't fit that typical masculine trait, and I, I definitely don't, and I found at times, you know, when you're around the blokes and they're men, then you can feel a bit, a bit of discord within yourself, a bit of a bit of difficulty being authentic, you know, to kind of heart, heart back to what, what, what we're saying earlier, mm. you kind of struggle to just be yourself. Whereas in once you've got a bit of a name for it and you go, no, 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 I'm not one of you. I'm one of these. Mm. Then you can go, ah, oh, that fits better. That feels better. I can, I can loosen my shoulders a bit more now and be more me. Um, but similarly, I think there's a bit of, yeah, identitarianism in there at times as well. God, that's and then one. there's the, I'm a celebrity. Yes. So I'm a celebrity. I'm really struggling with that this year. And it's funny that I've never ever thought about it before. And it, I, I don't know that I'm just jumping on the bandwagon of uh, being incredulous about it. But the stuff that they're doing with animals feels less and less right every single time I'm watching it at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, there was, was one the other day where it was Shane Ritchie and that very pretty guy, AJ, uh, yeah, yeah. had the head in a box and there was rats in the box and snakes being dropped in and stuff. Um I used to have a snake years ago. I used to have a corn snake. Um, he didn't really interest me that much, so I gave him away to someone else. Uh, he was called Clive. Um, but <laughs> if if I got him out, 
and I handed him to someone else and that someone else was tense and nervous. Mm. He got tense and nervous. Right. You could see the stress in him. You could see his body language change. Um, and then he might be inclined to try and bite them or something at that mm. point. So they definitely pick up on stress. They definitely pick up on all that. Rah, you know, it might be that the snakes that they're using there have been handled beyond belief, you know, right. and they're just used to it. You know, they, they've been used in kiddie show and tell type stuff and blah, blah, blah. But he still doesn't feel right. No. Like the, I'm, I'm really, really questioning that side of it at the moment, and I'm almost kind of going, "Is this the year that I'm a celebrity dies?" Hopefully. Well, no, yeah, I have to agree. I, particularly, like because, like you'll see an advert within it about vegan chicken Kiev's, and like, mm. yeah, that sort of stuff, and then, then cut back to you know Shane Ritchie with a you know cockroach on his nose. It's just kind of mm. like. So we've decided we're going to save that animal and then we're going to laugh at that animal. Yeah. It's all a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah. Because <laughs> X Factor and um, Britain's Got Talent have changed over time, haven't they? So mm. do you remember, I remember one, it might be when it was X Factor, it might be when it was pre-X Factor, which came, was it Pop Idol or something it was called before? Yeah, yeah. that's when Will Young won. That's the one, that's the one. Um, so back then, it used to be that as part of the final night, they'd have the roll out the freak show and there would be all the people that you know on reflection had mental health issues had various different disabilities mm. um you know might have been asperger's might have had autism you know Certainly all of these different kind of things that, that yeah that, that, that could be there and they, they'd roll them out and sometimes quite literally roll them out i remember there was the rather large girl whose um granny had made a dress for her um and she came out she was carried on like you know those things that like queens used to be yeah, carried yeah, about right. on like a big yeah. throne thing. And then I can't remember what happened, but some, something had happened. It wasn't with one of the X Facts a lot, but I think that mental health had become a bit more of a spoken about thing mm. and disability had become a bit more of a spoken about thing suddenly um, yeah. in, in the media. And it totally changed the tack on, on that front of it all. And they yeah. kind of went, we're not, we're not going to let people up there. There will still be people that go up there that are bad, yeah. Um, but we're not going to let people up there that clearly have mental health issues mm. um, or clearly have a disability of some kind and laugh at them for that mental health issue yeah. or or that, that disability. There's the couple that go on year after year on either Britain's Got Talent or it's, I can't quite remember which one it is. I think it's Britain's Got Talent where, very generally speaking, the woman does opera and the bloke dresses in a stupid outfit like, like a lobster or something right. and dances around and does a really bad attempt at river dance. That's not mental health. That's something else. I think that's yeah. that's a bit more just, I'm just up here going, I'm just hitting the fuck it button. I'm an accountant Monday to Friday. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going right. to not be yeah, an accountant for 20 minutes. Uh, absolutely. And, and, I, and I also like the fact that there's less... Uh, if you, I think back to like um, Pop Stars, which was the first, the very first series, which yeah. was hearsay. Yeah. And, uh, and I'll never forget when Nasty Nigel told the girl yeah. who's now in Kim that she's fat. Yeah, that she's yeah. fat. And, and that yeah. kind of felt like, okay, we have a massive problem. Mm. Like, this isn't, this can't be a thing. And, but that stuck around for ages. Yeah. And um, it's, but it is, it still is though, within the industry, it still is, you know, it's still, and it's, it's really difficult, isn't it? This sounds terrible, but we don't want to see a fat girl. Some people want to see a fat girl wiggling around on a music video, 
but we want to see beautiful people doing beautiful things, doing amazing things. Cause it's nice. It's nice to look at. There is space and time for people to not be that, you know, and these various artists that are kind of springing to mind. Although I guess that for a long time, Adele would have sprung to mind. And now that she's lost weight, then she's getting criticized for that instead. Mm. Yeah. But, oh, but she's I, gone I too far. Better as a human race though, like Lizzo come, coming to mind as someone who's absolutely astonishingly good. And it's kind of irrelevant what she looks like. <laughs> Um, so it, it is irrelevant, apart from the fact that she rides that ticket. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because she goes, I'm fat and you can't say anything about it. And it's like, and, and people are saying, oh, she's beautiful. And there is a side of you that goes, no, 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 she's dying early. I guess. You know, you, you don't see many 90 year olds at that size. I'm sure that someone can send us a few links to people that are that size and 90, but you don't see many healthy 90 year olds that are that size. You just don't. It's difficult because I don't know. It feels difficult to talk about that sort of stuff because I love talking about this stuff. Everyone, <laughs> I, I, I love said, the discomfort. You said that so freely, and I just wanted to die. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm just not going to say anything. I don't so, know what to say. So it's it's interesting actually. This week on on Thursday uh, with one of my clients, I've got equality and diversity as the subject. So we're doing change in one half of the uh, session, and then equality and diversity. I love running equality and diversity sessions because people say shit and then go, "Oh, am I allowed to say that?" <laughs> or they ask questions, they go, "Am I allowed to ask that question?" Um, and during that, we talk about the nine protected characteristics. And one of the protected characteristics or one of the things that isn't a protected characteristic that quite a lot of people bring up is weight, people Mm -hmm. being fat. Now, if that weight is linked to an illness or a disability, yes, it's protected under the Disability Act. Um, I can't remember the year for that now. I have to brush up for a Thursday, don't I? But there there is a Disability Act. I think it was sometime in the 90s or early noughties that that the Disability Act kind of came about. Mm -hmm. Um. Because it's something that you can control, weight isn't under one of the protected characteristics. And I think that that then becomes the point where I go, if you don't like people saying that you're fat, or you don't like that being a point of judgment, feel free to make the change. And it's really, it's it's hard to say that, isn't it? I sound like a proper shitbag saying that. Um, But feel free to make that change. You will feel better for it. I can guarantee that you'll feel better for it. And unless it's linked to an actual illness or a, a, a actual disability, the only reason why you're not doing it is because you've chosen not to do so. Okay. It's difficult to say <laughs> whether or not that's actually a human that applies to. Because food is a very, you know, as you've already spoken about, you have quite a, a kind of intelligent relationship with, with food. But some people have a lot of crap kind of tied up in mm. what they eat and stuff. Yeah, so, definitely, yeah. So I, My sister does. I can't imagine that you'd find a single kind of person that that applied to in, in the purest sense. Mm. That you just kind of look at them and go, yeah, you eat too many cheeseburgers. Yeah. And, and, and that they didn't have a reason. And it, it, it doesn't start simply, you know, and like my, my sister has a has a funny relationship with food. Um, she She's a lot more under control with it these days, but she links loads of it back to our mum saying no to things. Mm. You know, that, that's the worst. Yeah, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's loads of, of that side of it. So she's had to work that stuff out first, mm. and then she's been able to work out her, her weight issues. Mm. But it's doable. 
you know, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult, that, that side of it, isn't it? Like, I know pe- people people are fat, people are going to be fat, people are going to eat terribly, da 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 But I think that you can only grumble about it so much without doing something about it. True. Uh, I, I, t- I take that on board. It's just, it's so difficult to know. Such a hard conversation. <laughs> it really is. I, I wasn't ready for this. No, good. And it's not something that I've ever really, well, I guess I've thought about it. And I've been guilty of being a bitch about you know, people for that reason. Mm. And I hate myself for being like that because I can be smug because I think I've been dealt a very good hand when mm. it comes to uh, metabolism. But then, you know, a lot of people and You maintain it by going out running every day. But I don't... Because I, I was a bit chunky as a kid and I got shamed by a football manager and that kind yeah. of got stuck in my head, right? When I was, I think in, I was 11 or something and I... I had a diva strop that I wasn't picked to play a match. And, uh, and I go, why not picked? And he goes, well, you lift up your shirt, Nick, and then everyone can see why you're not playing on Saturday. And that just was like, Poof. yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, that stuck with me forever. So I'm really mindful of the fact that it's very damaging what people can say. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's an absolute minefield. Yeah. And the, this is so the, the conversation with that person, you know, sometimes having that conversation is a great catalyst. So I remember being on a night out and one of the girls that was like within our friendship group went, you put a bit on, haven't you? And that week I started going to kickboxing. Mm. So I was like, right, do something about it. Sort, right. sort it out. But that's because I could take it on the chin and go, yeah, all right then. Whereas in, I, I didn't have anything linked to it. I'd just been lazy and just eaten, you know, a mountain of pasta every day and drank too much beer. Uh, because I was 20 something and thought that I could get away with that. But for other people, it's it's a longer conversation, it's a more careful conversation, but ultimately it's not protected um because of that. Ah, cool, right. You need to duck out soonish. Cool, that's quite all right. Um so yeah, with that, like yeah, I'm 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 intrigued to see how this uh how this week's um equality and diversity session goes anyway. Because it's, it's the first time that I've done one online. And I usually really, really enjoy it because we're in the room and you can kind of pick up and sense what people are thinking and what people are saying and da da da. Mm. So I'm, I'm a bit nervous about this week's one. Uh, it will, yeah, absolutely. That's going to be tricky. Yeah, because I, I, I quite like taking it down the route of, so these are protected characteristics. This is what equality and diversity, you know, and they've come about during these times and blah, blah, blah. These are some of the catalysts for these things. Da da da. Like the, the um, faith and religion. Um, Act 2003 came about as an direct, there's a direct link to 9 11 sure. um, because Islamophobia went through the roof. So we had to do something to protect people within that. Mm. But then usually I kind of go, so then we talk about reasonable adjustment and then we start to kind of pick through the different things. What's reasonable adjustment with regards to these things? And I'll, you know, there's some easy things there, you know, where we'll have to put. Um, disability access in place and da, da, da. and then we get into all the gender side of it and then we get into all the race and religion side of it and okay so what's okay to ask mm. oh you can't really ask you, you can't talk about religion can you why not why why can't we do that you know and then very generally speaking people go down the the big unknown generally seems to be around the islamic faith and we'll talk about that for a little while and so on but I wonder how this is going to go on a Zoom call. I wonder how how comfortable or uncomfortable we can allow that to get on a Zoom call and kind of keep it safe. Mm, absolutely, and and know that 
I don't know. Someone could be a bastard and be recording it or something. You know, if yeah, yeah. someone up. You yeah. know, there's all that sort of stuff. I guess, you know, it's the classic contracting stuff, which I know that you'll do already, but it's mm. whether or not you can really trust someone that, you know, has got a axe to grind with Sandra in accounts. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. She said this during that meeting. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Can, God, can you believe that she said this about Am- Amin or whatever, whoever else? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It it that will be interesting. I you know I'll, I'll be interested to hear kind of how that goes because yeah, my my new job that I'm moving to now at mm-hmm. Salesman is is in your kind of your land of plenty, the yeah. uh, L&D space, and I'm doing a a couple of days of quite long form um, training, and a lot of it, a lot of my kind of anxieties around it is because it's going to be so virtual and. Mm-hmm. And, and difficult to kind of make sure that everyone's kind of on the bus as it were yeah um so uh yeah we, we shall see um how that pans out for me and how that pans out for you how how are you feeling about that about the new role i, I feel like i've been waiting my whole life to do this job without getting mm-hmm. too x factor about it no no um i uh, my wife told me when i took my first sales job in the year 2000 that um that that was a really bad idea you know, it's not it's not you at all. You're not a salesman, and um, and that obviously spurred me on to be as um, uh, as successful as I possibly could to prove you know how wonderful I am. Yeah. And um, and uh, but deep down, I always knew that I liked putting on a show. I, yeah. I've been the same since I was five, forcing my you know first grade um, class to watch shows that I'd put on for them and such. And, and I've, <laughs> I was. A, I did, I did a lot of dance growing up before mm-hmm. I realised that that wasn't going to work because you get lots of punching for that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, took up football. Anyway, but I've always liked kind of being at the front of things. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I have this very strange personality that I'm not very good at being in the audience. No, yeah. yeah. Um, and I feel super uncomfortable. I never know who I should be, what I should be doing, all that sort of stuff. Whereas if you put me on a stage, I know that there is no other option than to put on a show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I try to do that in learning and development mm-hmm. and, um, and it seems to work. Um, a lot of people have warned me and I'm very aware that you need to make it about the punters. Yeah. Because, you know, if you just make it about you, they won't learn anything. They might have a good time and they'll go mm-hmm. home, and do nothing differently. So I know I have to adapt, but um, one of my mentors said to me that I, to figure out what I wanted to do in my life, I had to figure out what gave me energy. Mm-hmm. And um, what gives me energy is when you have an impact on someone else that means that they're going to be closer to reaching their potential. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. That that just everything. And I think you can kind of feel that more when you're in a one-on-one to one setting, which, you know, when I've heard you talking about your coach and things like that, mm-hmm. I think you get a real, you know, you can really see the difference. But then sometimes you also get that from a kind of a traditional kind of, yeah, yeah. Kind of classroom based. And, and that is amazing to me and mm. I love it when when I've done like a, a course and then you know six months later someone will say I still remember the thing you said about x I implemented yesterday and this happened and Brilliant. then that's a solid gold yeah and so that's when I kind of knew that I had to make this my job yeah because there was never a time that I sold something and I felt that good mm-hmm. so yeah yeah, yeah. That's, what, that's why I did it and um and, and I guess in, in your business as well, you're actually so far away from the end user of that. Yeah. Other than seeing a metric go, 
an increase. You yeah. don't don't get anything. Whereas when someone goes, this made a difference. This made my day easy. This made this conversation more successful. This made blah blah, blah happen. Then yeah, it's it, it, it it's an absolute buzz. On on the front of kind of it being more about them, less about you. Duh, I I would also say though, allow it, allow that to be, allow yourself to be yourself in there as well. Because I found when when I first got into training, I kind of suppressed myself quite a bit, uh, rather than just being me. And I've found that you know there's there's a there's a guy that I mentioned a few times on the podcast, a guy called Gavin Oates, who is unapologetically him right. when he's doing his thing. And he's bloody amazing. Fair enough. I think that he starts from quite a high point of amazing. I'd say this because I'm man crush on him, seriously. Um, but he's he's just unapologetically him. And therefore, it's just better. Mm. He's, like, he's, he's not masquerading. He's not pretending to be a trainer. He's just being him. Sure. You know, and I, I think that, that 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 kind of does you the world of good. Do you do any kind of... Um, so I, I do a positive anchoring exercise. Um where I've, I've not got it on today because I'm just being casual at home. But usually I've got this uh, this wrist strap thing and it's got two little popper buttons on it. And say I've had a particularly good day, um, you know, and there's a few kind of highlight moments where I'm like, that moment when the group did this and I did this and then they said that and then I said that was really, really good. I'll reflect on that. Like, let's kind of think through it. What did I say? What did they say? How did they react? What did I see in them? What did I therefore do? And da, da, da. Then I click open and closed this leather wrist thing okay and so then it's something specifically for that it's just something you've repurposed for like, yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah. and it the, the the so it, it's an nlp technique and the idea behind it is is do something that you wouldn't normally be fiddling with like i i normally just leave that alone like it's on and i'll leave it alone okay so do something that you wouldn't not normally be fiddling with um do that action whilst you're thinking about it okay. and then let's say let's say on, on thursday before i do this session I'll probably be out in my garage all set up and then I'll be kind of pacing up and down and I'll unclick and click it and unclick and click it and un- and it kind of it takes that positive charging that you put into that item and kind of goes remember remember those times when yeah. you had those moments you know and there within there there are times when things could have gone terribly awry but I managed to pick the right person pick the right reaction say the right thing shut up at the right moment whatever it needs to be mm-hmm. and just kind of you know, it it works that the magic kind of happened, and so I'll, I'll probably be doing some some of that on Thursday. And it's good for you to, I think, in that effort to be yourself and to be the performer within there, to be able to go. Do you know what? I'm going to take those times when it's worked, when I've kind of almost proven it wrong. Mm. You know, the no, no, no. I shouldn't stop performing. I should perform. I should be unapolog- unapologetically me, kind of thing. Mm. Um, because this is when it's worked. This is when it's worked with. And there, there's a little bit of the curve there within that side of things. Because, you know, it's very ego, egocentric, isn't it? What what we do at times. There's a certain part of that where you have to go, no, no, temper yourself. Don't overimpress yourself with yourself. Make sure you've got reason, feedback, kind of those moments of kind of come back to you. Not just that felt amazing when I stood there and said all these things and everyone stood there silently. No, no. When when did it work? When did you get the feedback that kind of confirmed that, that it worked? That I think could do you some some good to kind of help help to go. Just be me. Just unapologetically be me. Like the sound of it, because my version of that is uh, when 
I go on a like a kind of whirlwind the other way. I snap an elastic band to come back to reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like the sound of kind of the more positive version of that. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. You get leather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, very true. Very true. <laughs> It's, it's quite nice actually so um one of one of my clients that I'm, uh, i won't mention on, on air but i'll tell you who they are afterwards um they're a car manufacturer and they made me uh three new ones out of their cars leather oh, um so cool. really 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 nice when when i tell you the brand afterwards you'll probably go oh yeah <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really really cool i feel weird now that i'm not wearing it. i'm now rubbing my wrist because i'm not wearing it oh, wow. bizarre 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 right i'm conscious and conscientious that you need to dart sometime soon and um, it's been awesome having you on mate i think there's yeah, more so more much. and more marauding chat to come on with all this um so this is going to go up today so it will be up within the next um hour or so probably um this week i've also got pete on and um, pete's doing an update on his electrician stuff um but yeah it's been amazing having you on mate um thanks so much and I, I, if you if your fans call for it i'm happy to come back for part two because you can definitely I, come back part two i feel like there's a a lot still to cover yeah definitely yeah definitely cool right thank you very much then uh, so listeners uh this will be up very soon well you'll know by the time it's up because it'll be up uh but there'll also be pete to follow and then ollie next week when we're going to set some big intentions with regards to uh modern bloke stuff and give some more updates on that front Thank you very much. Speak to you soon, guys.